0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other in Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, if I haven't met you before, my name is Josh. I'm the college pastor here at Midtown. Welcome. We're super excited that you're here. Um, If it looks like uh, there are a few less men here this week than usual, then you're correct. We have a men's retreat this weekend, and so... We have about 45 dudes that are hanging out um, at a place called Log Country Cove and learning about how to like wrestle through their emotions. Um, So most of them aren't good at that. So Um, wives, you're going to come back with a whole new man. So I I can promise that. The dudes are eating up the talks, so that's good and uh, just having a lot of fun. But I'm super excited to be with you guys today uh, for a few reasons. One. I get to talk about two of my favorite people today, Jesus and Mr. Rogers. Notice I didn't say my two favorite people. I'm not that stupid. My wife is my favorite person. And these people kind of make two of my favorite people lists. Um, and I'm also going to talk about two of my favorite topics today, grace and belonging, and really wrapped around uh, this idea of love and what we all long to experience. Um, and then I'm also excited because I was at Law Country Cove for a few days. And if you know me very well, you know I just get killed by allergies, and so all weekend, like, my allergies have been terrible, and then I got back today, and they're better, and so I'm pumped to be out of the, out of the, uh, the elements, if you will, and into uh, a more urban setting like Austin, uh, where my allergies go away, and I feel at home. So, but before we get started and talk about Jesus and Mr. Rogers and what they have in common, uh, I'm going to pray for us. <clears throat> God, thank you so much uh, just for a place like this, God, that we can get and, and, and meet together as a family and talk about you. God, I pray that as we talk about your grace uh, and the belonging that you extended to others, Jesus, uh, that that would, those concepts would sink deep into our heart, God, that we would understand those and live those out and, um, and extend those, that grace and belonging to others. God, we love you and we praise you in your name, amen. All right, I have a question for you guys, and this is uh, something that you can respond to, um, but only one at a time, so be careful. But have you guys ever seen a TV show or a movie that totally exceeded your expectations? And give me a few of them that you guys have seen that either you thought going into it was going to be bad and ended up being really good or, you know, whatever. Outlander. Outlander, I don't even know what that is, but that sounds great. What else? Yes, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, that's a great one. How many, what? Inception? Yeah, that's a good one, that's a good one. Anybody else? Cheer on Netflix, yes, yes. I've seen, well, my wife got wrapped into that and she's reliving her old glory days as a cheerleader and um, it's been great in our house, you know? Midlife crisis and everything. Just kidding. Um, Another one liked here is Last Chance U, which is about Juco football players. That's a great one. Um, Those kind of go hand in hand. But yeah, throughout my life, I've seen a few different movies and TV shows that totally exceeded my expectations. One of those was a movie called Boss Baby. So I watched that with my kids. (laughs) And uh, just going into it, I thought it was going to be lame, and it ended up being like just so much better than I thought. I won't give it away. Um, another one for me was a movie called Warrior. Anybody heard of Warrior? Okay, one of us? Yes. Uh, so... <laughs> It's an MMA movie, which going into it, you're like, yeah, this is going to stink. But it's really like a modern retelling of Cain and Abel and about reconciliation of brothers. And it's actually incredible. Like Tom Hardy's in it, um, Nick Nolte. So great movie. Another one I've seen, TV show, um, Akiko and I, this is special for us, Cobra Kai, um, which is like a remake of Karate Kid, basically, or like them 30 years later. And it sounds totally lame, but I was in for it because I love Karate Kid. And it ended up being amazing. Got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, both, like, audience score and, like, critics. And so highly recommend that. Um, yes, Kiko. Uh, but another one that I saw about a year ago um, was Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is the Mr. Rogers documentary. Um, has anybody seen that? A few? I know. Okay, good. The college students, I made all of them watch it before they got involved. Yeah, go college. Um But the Mr. Rogers documentary, I remember sitting down, and Kari was like, I really want to watch this documentary. And all I know about Mr. Rogers, really, was that my mom liked him growing up, and always tried to make me watch him, and I never wanted to watch it. And so, I'm like reliving my childhood through my wife, trying to make me watch Mr. Rogers. Um, But, so we sit down to watch this movie, and... It's, it's fall of last year, and so if you know me, I love college football. And so I have like a college football game on, on the side, which is what I do when Carrie watches things I don't want to watch, like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or any of those reality TVs. And uh, so I'm sitting down, I've got my football game on, and she turns on the documentary. And i got to admit, I, I was hooked from the beginning when Fred Rogers, he said this. He said, love is at the root of everything, all learning, all relationships, Love or the lack of it, and immediately I was like, "Yeah, that's true," and I was like, "Tell me more, Mr. Rogers." And so he went on, and and Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' first name's Fred, uh, and I might interchange with that. But behind his life and his popular TV show, he revealed his guiding philosophy, and it can be summed up in this one quote by Mr. Rogers, where he says, "This: Everyone longs to be loved, and the greatest thing we can do is let people know that they are loved and capable of loving." And the movie, the documentary went on to show that this was the foundation for everything that Mr. Rogers did. You might not know this, but Mr. Rogers actually went to seminary um, before he did his TV show, and he was an ordained Presbyterian minister. In his time in seminary and studying the scriptures, he got obsessed about the radical acceptance and love that Jesus expressed to others through grace and belonging. And so I have a few working definitions for grace and belonging here Um, that we're going to be working with. And so when I say these words, this is really what I mean and what I think Jesus meant um, when he talked about these in the scriptures. And the first one is grace. And grace is essentially this idea with Jesus that you are loved and accepted just the way that you are with all of your flaws, all of your talents, and everything in between. And then belonging. When Jesus extended belonging to others, he essentially said that he enjoyed being with those people and spending time with them And he wanted to be associated with them. And in the book of Luke, which is essentially a biographical look at Jesus' life, we see so many stories where he extends grace and belonging. Particularly to those that uh, those in the first century society um, would have considered outcasts or below um, them in the society. And yet Jesus extends this grace and belonging. And I want to share one of those stories real briefly. The cool thing about today is I'm going to be super brief. And so even if it sucks, you're going to get out early. So it's going to be great. (laughs) But we're going to be in Luke 5. Um, Levi, the tax collector, and this is his story. And so in verses uh, 27 and 28, it says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So Jesus has this simple yet life-changing interaction with Levi. He says two words to him, and it changes Levi's life. Follow me. And Levi's response is to give up everything and go follow him. And what's interesting is I think about my own life, and what would it take for me to give up everything to follow Jesus? my community, my profession, my security, my home? And what would it take? And yet for Levi, Jesus says two words, follow me, and he gives up everything. And I don't think that Levi is that much better than me. Maybe he is. But so what was it that was so powerful about Jesus' words, these two words, follow me, That made Levi get up. What was it in his background? And what was it about Jesus in his words that made Levi respond in the way that he did? So quick background on Levi. Levi is a tax collector. If you want to know what a tax collector is, it's up on the screen, but a Jewish person who collected taxes, crazy, for the Roman government that ruled over the Jews. And usually these tax collectors would take more than what was required. So essentially, right, they were... Um, fellow Jewish people, the Roman government had taken them over, they fellow Jewish people that would take money from their own people. So essentially an example of this would be, like, say Germany had won World War II, and they hired U.S. citizens to collect taxes, and then the U.S. tax collector took more than what was necessary. That would be kind of a similar, um, you know, something more relevant to us. And so you can imagine how these people were perceived among their own people, their own tribe. They were seen as dishonest traders and extortionists, those that took more than what they, they had to. So um, somebody like Levi would have been a social pariah. People would have not have wanted to hang out with them. And so essentially what Levi did is he traded in social acceptance and belonging for his wealth. And Jesus, knowing all of this, goes right up to Levi and says, follow me. And Levi does it. And so what was it about these words, follow me, that were so powerful to Levi? Well, follow me would have been what rabbis would have said to their disciples during that day. And, and uh, somebody like uh, Levi would have absolutely known that. And kind of the history of the call of a rabbi is what this was called, was that um, these rabbis would um, have these young boys, that they would come into school and they would train with these rabbis. And so after years of training and learning in the local temple, The number of boys would eventually dwindle over time as less boys made the cut. And and this training would involve um, these teachers selecting the best and the brightest to continue their education. Then after years of training, the rabbi would invite these young men to follow them with two simple words, follow me. And when a rabbi invited a disciple to follow him, he was essentially saying this to them. You are the best of the best. You have what it takes to be like me, to be better than me. Come imitate my life. Do life with me. And so, what Jesus, when he says to Levi, Come follow me, what he experiences that moment is this radical grace because Jesus knows exactly who Levi is. Jesus loves and accepts Levi just the way he is extortionist, social pariah, all of his flaws. And yet also says, Levi, I see great potential in you. I think you are the best of the best. You have what it takes to be like me. Come imitate my life. And Jesus' invitation was so meaningful to Levi that he leaves everything behind. But before he does, he throws a party. And like anybody else, Levi throws a party and invites the people that are closest to him. And so in verses 29 through 32 it says this it says Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners but Jesus answered them it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick I have come to call the righteous, not the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So Levi throws a party. These religious elites see the party and who Jesus is associating himself with, and they don't like it. And they don't like it because in Jesus' culture, shared meals essentially symbolize shared lives. And so you can think of this, go back to your high school days, right? It's like who you sat with in the cafeteria was who you were associated with in your school. And it would have been no different in their culture at that time. So what Jesus was saying to Levi by having dinner with him and his friends, is he was saying, I want people to identify us together. I want people to identify us as friends. Those who are doing life together. Levi, you belong with me, and I don't care what anyone else thinks. And it's these two aspects of grace and belonging that Levi experiences through Jesus that I think that we all long for. I think we all long to experience grace, this idea that we are accepted for who we are, for all of who we are, both our flaws and our talents, and yet also somebody else seeing the great potential that lies within us. They don't only see us for who we are right now, but they see us for who we can be and who who God created us to be. I think we all long for a place to belong. Or better put, maybe a person who says, I really like you. You are special to me. And I'm proud to be called your friend. And when I was watching Mr. Rogers, he exemplified this throughout his movie. In fact, Mr. Rogers is obsessed with this idea of love and grace. And so a few examples of that is in his um, signature, whenever he was signed something, he would put grace in Greek underneath it because it was the marker of his life and what he wanted to extend to others. Other kind of mythological thing about him, if you haven't seen the documentary, is that Mr. Rogers um, every day would like go swimming in this pool and make sure that his weight was the same. Does anyone, and this is super cheesy, but does anyone want to guess what his weight was every day? 143 pounds. And for those that lived in like the Beeper era, um, 143 is like, you know, kind of the number so- signal for I love you. And so this was Mr. Rogers' life. He was so dedicated to love that he made his match, or his weight match his <laughs> emotional stuff, which is kind of crazy, to be honest, but um, shows his commitment. But in that documentary, he had one story in particular that I think exempl- exemplified this grace and belonging that Jesus extends to us and extends to Levi in this story. It was a story... With- Of this guy named Francois Clemens. And Francois Clemens uh, was essentially the police officer on Mr. Rogers' show. And so Mr. Rogers asked Francois to be um, the police officer. And honestly, Francois was pretty conflicted. A couple things. He was a singer, he didn't want Mr. Rogers to get in the way of his singing career, um, which he later recalls and laughs at because he had a pretty good, made pretty good money being the police officer. But the second thing is that. he was a black man, and as a black man growing up in the 60s and 70s, he just didn't have fond memories or, or thoughts of police officers, not much different than some people have today. And so he was really conflicted about whether he wanted to play this role on TV. But he ended up saying yes, and he did it for 25 years. And as he reminisced, reminisced about his time on the show and experiences with Mr. Rogers, he tells this one story that stuck out to him. It was from an episode that aired in, in 1969, and uh, that's not the 1969 episode. Mr. Rogers It wasn't that old at the time. But um, he, he remembered the story in, of Mr. Rogers basically putting his feet in this pool with Francois Clemens. And he invited Francois to come, the officer to come, and put his feet in the pool with him. And it was right after a bunch of stuff had happened um, where essentially these white owners were basically kicking black people out of these pools, and it become really uh, kind of well-known in the media. And so Mr. Rogers was making a statement by um, putting his feet in the pool with, uh, with the officer. Now, and Clemens recalls the story in this way. He says, Fred Rogers invited me to come over and rest my feet in the water with him. The icon, Fred Rogers, not only was showing my brown skin in the tub with his white skin as two friends, but I was, as I was getting out of the tub, he was helping me dry my feet. He says, I'll never forget the day Rogers wrapped up the pro- program, as he always did, by hanging up a sweater and saying, you make every day a special day just by being you, and I like you just the way you are. This time in particular, Rogers had been looking right at Clemens. And after they wrapped, he walked over to Francois, And Francois asked him, Fred, were you talking to me? And and Mr. Rogers said, yes, I have been talking to you for years, but you heard me today. And Francois went on to say this. He said, it was like telling me I'm okay as a human being. That was one of the most meaningful experiences that I had ever had. I love this story because I think it exemplifies the love expressed through grace and belonging that we all long for. And ultimately, this is what Jesus does for us. He says, I like you just the way you are, and I'm proud to be called your friend. This is what it looks like to be known by love. This is what we long to be as a community at Midtown. Every Sunday, near the beginning of our gathering, we give our purpose statement for Midtown. Just like Krista did today, we are a family that's loved and served by God and compelled to love and serve Austin with God. And this is at the center of who we're trying to become. Now, we don't do it perfectly, but this is what we long to be. See, because for many people, the idea of God, this, um, this invisible being loving them, is so ethereal. So they, they need this love wrapped up in skin. They need to experience love from those they know, from those they can see and, and touch, and for it, to become, for, the, for it to become real to them. That's why we want to be a place, a community, a family where our friends can know that they are fully accepted just the way that they are and that there are others that truly enjoy spending time with them. There's some of us that, man, we get that. We have great self-confidence. We're like, yeah, everybody wants to hang out with me and be my friend. But for the rest of us, we need to see this love. We long for it. In fact, the more and more Uh, that people study love and connection and intimacy, the more that we find out that it is absolutely essential to life, to experiencing life the way that we are meant to, and and for health. Mr. Rogers, in his last commencement speech, um, he said this, and this is, uh, let me give a little background. So he gave his last commencement speech, and there had been a lot of just people coming out kind of trashing Mr. Rogers because he had said people were special. And, um, and so he felt like, people had felt like he had created an, an entitled generation. that felt they were special. They didn't have to do anything to earn it. And so Mr. Rogers, in his last commencement speech, explained what he meant um, when he said that people were special. And he said this, and this in his last lines, he says, there's a neighborhood song that is meant for the child in each of us. And I'd like to give you the words of this, that song right now. He said, it's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair, but it's you I like. The way you are right now, the way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your caps and gown, they're just beside you. But it's you I like, every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new, I hope that you remember, even when you're feeling blue, that it's you I like. It's you, yourself. It's you. It's you I like. And he goes on to say, and what that ultimately means, of course, is that you don't have to do anything sensational for people to love you. We, and what that ultimately means, of course, is that you don't have to do anything sensational for people to love you. So what Mr. Rogers was essentially saying is that every person, because they were born, because they created in the image of God, deserves to be treated with the dignity and respect that they deserve and that God would want them treated with. So really, simply, my desire for us is that we would know just how much Jesus loves us and that we would have such a deeper understanding of the grace and belonging offered in Jesus to each of us. Not because of the special things that we do in life or because of our talents, but because he created us and he loves each of us. We're going to take communion here in a minute. And Jesus, in his death, just showed the extent that he was willing to go to to show us his uh, grace and belonging and his love. And in John 15, 13... Jesus says this about love. He says, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their own life for one's friend. And this is what we remember when we take communion, the depths of love that Jesus has for us, how far he was willing to go to make it possible for us to experience his grace and belonging. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.